Hi, and welcome to the Young Family Small Business Podcast, the show that deep dives into conversations with experts in small business, raising a young family, or are shining examples of mastery in both. My name is Ben Walker, and I'm the founder of Inspire, Life-Changing Accountants, and the host of this podcast. This episode is sponsored by Inspire, Life-Changing Accountants. We've worked with thousands of business owners since we started in 2013, and we're best known for saving our client base a total of $17 million in tax and counting. For every dollar of tax we proactively save a small business, Inspire donates a day worth of access to life-changing food, water, health, or sanitation services to a family in need. If you're interested in speaking with an accountant to see how we could help your business, head to inspire.business forward slash chat. My next guest is Colin O'Loughlin, co-founder, director, and mortgage broker of Arch Brokerage, a Brisbane-based mortgage broking firm specializing in helping everyday people purchase property. Uh, he's a husband to his beautiful wife, Simone, father to his amazing son, Jude, and full-time sports enthusiast who loves the footy. Arch Brokerage is his business, and it's just turned two years of age, and he's been in the finance industry since 2008, so quite a while now. Uh, he got the finalist for Best Newcomer of the Year in 2019 and 2020 at the Advisor Mortgage Broking Awards, and in a two-year period, they've successfully settled just shy of $100 million in settlements, which you know, in the industry is a huge uh, achievement just to do that alone, but in the first two years, that's um, that's sensational. So awesome. So yeah, I, I really loved uh, my chat with Colin. Uh, we chatted about his personal not only his personal experience running a business with a young family, but also his expertise around uh, buying property and, and making sure you get your debt structures right. So thanks, Colin, and hope uh, our audience enjoys the interview. Hey, Colin, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Really appreciate you um, giving your time. No, no dramas, mate. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Uh, well, we usually kick off with the question around family. So tell us who, tell us about your family. So uh, one of four. My parents, Kim and Trevor, born in Trevi, born in Brizzy um, and raised here my whole life. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm the youngest of, of four. Uh, lucky enough that I've actually got my sister, Holly, working in our business, um, which I'm sure we'll chat about a little bit later. But yeah, grow, grew up just normal average Aussie kid, spent a lot of time outdoors and yeah, had a heap of fun playing sport and growing up together. So mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. And uh, you, I think you've got a, how old is Jude now? Jude's, uh, he's almost two, two in Jan. So yeah, got obviously beautiful wife, Simone, who is co-founder of me within, within the business. And yeah, Jude's two in, uh, in Jan. So time's, time's flown. Crazy to say, actually. So yeah, no, really cool. Uh, and uh, how do you guys spend like weekends or what do you love doing together to sort of chill out and relax? Yeah, it can be difficult, right? Because running a business, um, both working within the business, mm. you know, that you've got to find some time for that off switch. So for us, you know, it's um, like to spend it at the beach, going camping. Obviously, COVID maybe's made that a little bit more difficult. But um, for us, it's spending time outdoors, going for a walk, spending time with Jude, spending time with our two dogs, which are Italian greyhounds. <laughs> Which funny story into it, but that's sort of how we came up with the name Arch. So yeah, we very outdoorsy people just love, you know, getting the sun in, getting all the elements of uh, of the world. So yep, how good. 
There you go. And um, and and so, do you, do you have any rhythms in place with Simone? For instance, like you mentioned, you work together, which I guess would 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 be cool, but it also have its challenges. Um, yeah. uh, do you, do you have anything in place that to help get I guess get the best out of that? Ah, <laughs> uh, good question. Look, we try to make sure that it's such a hard thing in it, especially in a in a growing business, to try and make sure that we separate from you know, work and family life, but often it's, it's leaving home, going to do something, seeing family. I mean, we're super fortunate in the sense that Simone grew up in Boona, which is just west of Ipswich. So, you know, we go out quite often, her family is still out there. Usually when we're going to do a family trip, it's a full day event, if not a couple of days, bit of drinking involved and, and having a bit of fun. And, but, you know, getting away from that normal environment of the office and just, I guess, taking in something a little bit different, spending it with family. And I wouldn't say we had a set, we've got a set rhythm, but you know, it's, it's making sure that we're just, I guess, enjoying that time together, not working, not on emails, all that sort of stuff, which you can get stuck in the habit of doing. So yeah, for sure. It sounds like maybe there's no rhythm, but there's definitely the intention there. Of course. Of course. I, I know that for us, it's, especially from a, like a work point of view that you feel so much better going into the work week when you do get that separation of like going and doing something fun. Whereas, you know, and, and I must admit this has happened plenty of times, you know, working on a Saturday, working on a Sunday, not necessarily full days, but then you get to Monday and you're almost a little bit more tired than maybe what you would be if you had that rest and, a, you know, you're a little bit, little bit more energized. So. Yeah, separation's massive for us. Ah, fantastic. And and I think we'll, we'll touch on the um, your your business soon. But I'd love to know what your career looked like up until just before starting Arch, because I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, background. Yeah, and it's a funny story, right? Because the whole thing's a bit of a funny story because it was sort of I fell into finance by accident. So um, <laughs> you do that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good. I'm, I'm going to go through that real quick. Yeah. So. I left school, finished schoolies, and uh, my parents said to me, Cole, like, you've got to get a job right away. So they actually gave me a job working for them. So um, they owned a paint and um, furnishing company, um, mm-hmm. like distributing to, um, I guess, you know, panel beaters and cabinet makers and all sorts of fields. So um, they gave me a job pretty much fresh out of school. I think I was on about $300 a week. Um, and I thought that that was, Dad. I thought that that was amazing. Um, <laughs> you know, being 17, almost turning 18, like you can go and spend that down at, the, at your local, not all of it, obviously, but you know, a good portion of it, maybe not before you're 18 actually, but, uh, anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, and then, uh, so my sister was married to a, a guy and it was actually his brother that called me one day whenever I was working for them and says, Hey, how would you like to work for the bank? And I was like, mm, yeah, why not? Like, so he was working for Bank West at the time. He said, mate, I've got you an interview. Go in. Uh, I remember it was on a Friday. Mm. So I went in there, uh, had an interview as Bank West um, in Brisbane CBD. So at this point in time, there was only one of them around. So I went in, bombed the interview, thinking this is a kid that's probably had his real first professional interview. That's, I think I, I was actually 18 at the time. Yeah, wow interview, bombed it, thought, okay, there's no way I'm going to get it. So end up finding this story out later, but 
they had actually hired for two teller jobs at Bank West. And just as training had completed for them, one of them actually decided, oh, this isn't for me, no notice and left. So bomb the interview, got a call the Friday afternoon and said, you've got the job. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, oh, okay, mustn't have done as bad as I thought. <laughs> and the funny story is the person who was working there, wasn't the boss, but was quite high up. She told me the story many years later, who I'm still in touch with. And she said, yeah, no, you did bomb that interview. You did terrible, but we urgently needed someone. <laughs> and this and this wow. person, the brother-in-law at the time, had vouched for you and said, mate, really good bloke. Yeah, he'll do really well. O- off the back of that, so I rocked into work on the Monday. I played footy on the Sunday and played out at uh, Pine Rivers and actually broke my nose. Oh. So I rocked into work on Monday with two massive black eyes and a busted nose. And I could tell they were looking at me like, what have we got ourselves into? You know, so it wasn't a fight or anything like that. But uh, yeah, first day, quite the impression. So yeah, I, I pretty much started out as a teller for Bank West and just worked my way up. And I worked my way up quite quickly. So, I, you know, I was doing personal loans and credit cards and then I was doing home loans, and then I was an assistant manager, all within the space of probably about three years. So it all moved quite quickly. But these were valuable things I was picking up through you know, working in those different positions within the bank, because it allowed me to get an understanding of you know, what goes on from you know, start to finish. Um, so I spent some time at Bank West, um, and then I uh, actually went and worked for my folks again for a little bit as a, as a stopgap. Just because you know I was 23 or 24, an assistant manager at the bank, there's a lot of expectation that came with that, and I was just in those early years of partying and having fun, and you know just being a kid really. So I worked there for a little bit, um, and then they decided to sell. Um, so I transitioned back into finance, worked for BOQ for some time, and then I moved on to Westpac, which um, which was probably not the best decision I'd made, but, but very close yeah. because it allowed me to undertake you know, new roles again within the bank. I moved over as a, as a finance manager and then I moved my way into uh, business development, which was looking after lo- loads of aggregators, which are you know, licensees for mortgage brokers and dealing with mortgage brokers and getting an understanding of their businesses and how they operated. So for me, you know, seeing that, I just started to learn more and more and more and allowed me to gain an understanding of maybe what my business would look like if I ever decided to, to make the move. So it was a journey 10, 11 years in the making. And I know there's always that thought of, well, maybe I should have done it a little bit sooner. But for me, I wouldn't change anything about it because I was able to understand all these different things, which then apply to me today which allow me to help my clients. It's not just a home loan. We know a lot of the process that go into places with setting up accounts, You know what sometimes all the silly bank things that pop up. So I guess we've also got a bit of an understanding of why the bank requires things sometimes, yeah. which allows us to explain the journey a little bit more to our clients. So that was really it. That was, I mean, as a that was probably summarized very quickly for a 10 or 11 year period, but that's sort of how it played out. Yeah, there you go. And I like that, I guess, towards the end of your career there, um, having that, you know, vi- like view straight into other mortgage broking businesses and 
and you can kind of see the the better performing ones. And I think BDMs usually sort of take take out the brokers for a coffee or a lunch or something. Did you get to um, spend some time with those sort of high performing ones? And, and- uh, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely did, and I've got good relationships with a couple of them still. I think one of the things that I've really learned about myself definitely has been the fact that you know willing to ask the question never being too good you know you're always going to learn something from somebody so for me i constantly stay in touch with people you know you're getting feedback about you know what they're doing well because unless maybe you're google or amazon or uh, facebook you know there's always probably going to be someone out there that's just a little bit better than you so you know you're always just trying to learn and take feedback and uh, and trying to better you know what you've what you're trying to create really yeah, no, very good. And and I guess from from hindsight, um, it might have made a lot more sense than than sort of when you're at Westpac. But how did you go with the decision to leave Westpac and, and set up? Like how what was going on in your mind? And yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, it was a fun one. It was a fun one. A few sleepless nights. I'll I'd never admit that to Simone. So hopefully she doesn't watch this. I'm but okay. yeah, <laughs> I've for for our family, I've always sort of been the bit more of a risk taker. Mm. Simone's probably a little bit more closed off and reserved, which makes us a really good balance, I think. But for me, it was it was just about taking that risk. I was able to gain an understanding of what mortgage brokers get paid, how it all works, the commission side of things, which is something you're sort of, I guess, held back from whenever you're in the bank. And mm. maybe you're a, you know, a home finance manager or a lending manager. So you don't directly think about what your figures correlate to whenever you're writing the business. You're more worried about, okay, how do I get bonus? What does that look like? And so from stepping from actually writing the loans to then gaining an understanding of how it all works from, a, I guess, a monetary sense, I thought that it was something that I could definitely make a a good go at. Uh, And it always sort of been burning inside me to potentially start a business because you know they're the that's the foundation of what my parents did. You know they took the risk, so I've I've I'd seen it. Well, not necessarily seen it because I was obviously too young at that point in time. But you know they made the step, and I was I've, I saw the rewards that they gained from that. You know they retired at sixty, or actually it might have been a touch before their sixtieth birthdays. You know, and self-funded retirees. So you know, and not having to work again. So you know they've done an amazing job and really for me that's what I strive to be almost is what my parents were able to do so I knew that I needed to necessarily stop working for the man at some point in time and uh, and have a goal at it and I just thought that it was the perfect opportunity to do it so a few sleepless nights but um, I wouldn't have been able to probably make the jump if I didn't have Sim there as well because she reassured me and just told me keep going you know you can do this keep believing in yourself because you've been blabbering on about it for the last 12 months that you're going to do it and, the, and that you can do it. So, yeah. you know, I was lucky that I had that support system there and my parents as well. I've spoke endlessly with them about different pieces of, um, of the business and what we should do and what did they do at this point in time. And it's, it, that is the best decision that I've made from a, you know, from, I guess, a career point of view was just making the jump. And, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of time in there we spent learning and and figuring out what was going to be the best and you know that's the culmination of those 10 or 11 years is to now what where we're at so 
Yeah, wonderful. There you go. So, um, so you, you're, I guess, day one or you know, first couple of weeks into Arch, like, and and I, I think like from from watching your business grow, it's been like amazing to see mm. what you've done in in two relatively short years. But yeah, yeah. Um, walk us through the journey, like like some some of the sort of key high points and key low points of um of running Arch. Yeah. So it was always one of those things because whenever you're working for the bank, you're fortunate in that you have that brand, right? Mm. Which is what people are often driven to people walking in. And I definitely developed a lot of strong relationships, people that have followed me along the way from whatever bank I was working for over to Arch. So, you know, those first few weeks, it was sort of like, yeah, hopefully people are going to remember you. But what I actually found was whenever I started the business, I actually had more people, more family and friends contacting me because I wasn't, you know, set to one bank or one lender. All of a sudden it was like, well, no, we want to support Colin. So for me, that was a real tick of approval of like, okay, well, we can do this. And, you know, when it's certainly the first thing that I remember is within mortgage broking and, you know, this Benny of, of how we're paid, but it, that first commission hit for the first time, seeing that come in and just like, okay, yeah, the money's going to be there. We can keep pushing on, you know, that that's always, it was always nice because that's the first money you made as a business owner. So, you know, you've obviously delivered on, on what you've provided your clients. So, but you know, the relationship with you guys has continued to blossom and, you know, we're obviously very fortunate to to have that relationship. And I know that you've helped us out a ton as well. But yeah, the high points were so whenever I first started the business, it was just me. Yep. And then it must have been probably a, yeah, a few months after everything had started. So I went through the setup, which was probably the the hardest bit is trying to get everything set up. What platforms do we need to use? Not everything goes smoothly um, in, <laughs> in, in, in trying to get everything set up, would you believe? Mm. Um, but then Sim came in. So Sim was working for Westpac like me. That's actually how we met. But she was working for Westpac like me. And she was working for uh, the BT side of the business, which is like the superannuation and working with the advisors. And she was actually part of the redundancy because the Westpac sold the business off. So Sim sort of came out and then when she came on board, everything just started to take shape a little bit more for us. You know, it can be a bit lonely when you're by yourself trying to think of ideas, trying to run stuff by someone. So whenever Sim came over, everything sort of just started to make a little bit more sense. So um, yeah, we had that. And then we were lucky enough to be nominated for Newcomer of the Year, um, which was obviously super special. Once again, it's just like a wasn't about the award. It's the recognition that, hey, we must be doing something right here. Yeah. Um, so that and then just uh, bring Holly on board as well, which happened at the start of this year, which is my sister, which I sort of alluded to at the start. You know, the pride in being able to do that, to be able to provide someone with an income and offer them a job, especially a family member, was a super special moment. And once again, just showing that we're going in the right direction, that we're growing and, you know, not necessarily going, you know, worrying about, well, you know, where you're necessarily spending the dollars in a sense. It's just like, okay, we can continue to grow here and we've got the ability to do that and we've got the work to do it as well. So those things, yeah. they're the, they've been the highlights for me. 
and just the clients that we've helped. Yeah. We've helped, you know, hundreds of clients in that two-year period. And for me, I I do wear my heart on my sleeve a lot of the time. So I am the one like fist pumping when the approvals come through. And it's not from like the monetary sense in any way. Like, yes, that's the added bonus of doing what I do, but it's the journey because you do go on a journey with these people. You know, it's the start of getting to meet someone and gaining an understanding, I guess, like we're doing here, you know, like gaining an understanding of where they've come from, what jobs have they had, what's their family, have they been in Brisbane forever or New South Wales or wherever they might be, you know, and then to go through that process of like apply for finance or, you know, it might be a strategy of like, this is where we need to be in order to buy a property. You know, there's people, I had someone the other day, they, we were talking to them probably a couple of weeks after we started the business and I literally got finance approved for them this morning. Wow. So you got to know over time. It was just like, it, it's, it can be a process. doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, you know, we need a talking, need to find a property straight away. It's about putting that, you know, that strategy in place. So for me, it's all the people that we've helped. And that one this morning was super special for the journey we've been on. I was fist pumping and screaming and I called the client. <laughs> we were doing the same thing together. So, you know, it's those special moments. There's, and there's so many of them that we've had. Yeah, and you've done some magic tricks on a, from personal experience. It's, yeah. been, it's been good when those approvals come through. Yeah, for sure, for <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, awesome. And, and I guess another question I've got, like what's sort of been one or two of the tougher moments? Uh, and, and I think one of them you kind of hinted on before, like working the weekends aren't, aren't fantastic, but, um, you know, and, and your business has grown like, like I think you've, you know, in, in dog years we often refer to here at Inspire, but you, you have definitely, like there's people, there's brokers who don't even uh, get to what you've done in a year. Yeah, um, yeah. Like it's just insane. So, but that's not going to come without some, some crappier stuff happening, but um, yeah, did you want to sort of share some, some of the, yeah, that stuff? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think for us, that, that's probably been the biggest thing is, you know, the, the long nights mm. and, you know, we've shared text messages at all sorts of hours, not, not drinking surprisingly, or maybe a beer <laughs> here or there but working, you know what I mean? So for me, it, it has been that, like my dad always said to me, he's like, at the start, you've just got to run mm. and you've got to run as hard as you can and you've just got to go as hard as you can. And then the rest, you know, then you can start to build later on. And that's what it was like at the start. Yeah. It was just hell for leather, 100 miles an hour, getting out there as much as possible, getting back to clients at all sorts of hours, so at the start, and because it's so like at the start, because it was just me or me and Sim chuck a baby in there as well, yeah. which I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll talk about. For us, it was just like you do need that time away, which is sort of what we were talking about earlier with the rhythm. Is just and you actually have a positive effect from that in just quality of of your work and the time that you spend working. Um, but you know, at the first couple of years has just been helpful leather, just going as hard as possible. And now we're in the position where we are going to grow. You know, we're lucky to bring Holly on at the start of the year. There's a plan for another mortgage broker coming on in Jan, Feb next year, um, which is then going to present, you know, more opportunity for us to grow even further. So, you know, the challenging things probably really have been the work that's had to go into it, but mm. would I necessarily change anything? No, I wouldn't. But that's that's come with a little bit of COVID as well. So, but that separation is obviously key from the business at any point in time. So, yeah, for sure. 
And and you mentioned Jude in there. How um how did you how did you go? Or maybe another way to say that is how did you cope? Yeah. Well, so for anyone that knows me and Sim, we don't like to do anything in halves. We're like pedal to the metal, just I don't know. I don't know what it is about us. It's just whatever we do, we do it in 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 droves. So probably long story, but whenever we were getting married, we we actually decided it was going to be a good idea to sell our house and then buy another property. Mm-hmm. Same day settlement. Anyway, for anyone out there that's done one before, it can be a little bit manic, but we did it. Um, it was uh, two weeks before our wedding. We decided, you know what, we're going to buy a new home. And as a process of doing that, we decided to sell the existing one. And everyone always makes fun about it, but same thing with the business. So we started the business on the 1st of October, uh, 2019. Yeah. I think. Wow. What are we in? 21. Yeah. So it's been two years. And then Jude came along in Jan, 2020. So, and so glad that we did it when we did it in a sense, because we were lucky that business early on, yes, there was a lot involved with it, but it also allowed the flexibility for me to be able to see that early time with Jude and spend that early time with him as well. But we just, for us, it just came down to operating rhythm. So, and, and, you know, once again, we'll keep harping on about Sim, but she did such an amazing job in raising him, only though he's only two, but she's done such an amazing job in all those little bits and pieces to enable us, well, us, I won't say me, us to grow the business. So, you know, it's allowed us to just be doing as well as we are. But for Sim, anyone that knows her knows she has a ridiculous work ethic. And that just comes from her family, which if you ever get to meet them, they're just honestly work, 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 work. So her father, Darren, he um, he works at the hospital. He does some security work there, but he worked at um, Churchill Abattoir for a very long time but then also has a farm. So would spend the weekends, you know, running cattle and doing all that sort of stuff. Um, and my dad's actually very similar. He's retired, but you wouldn't know it because he's always doing something and always busy. And I'm like, dad, what's going on? You're supposed to be retired. And he's, oh, I'm painting this or I'm, you know, building another shed out the back. And if you go to his place, he's got like three or four sheds out the back. So it's like, do you really need another shed? So I'm going a bit off track here. But yeah, so for Sim, she's got this incredible work work ethic. So she would get Jude down at like six o'clock at night or any time that Jude was sleeping, she'd then be in the office working with me, yeah, wow. doing all the data implementation, looking after our existing clients. Mm-hmm. So for us, it was just working as a team tandem and just trying to get through it together because you know, anyone that's got kids, I think, understands that you know, it's teamwork. It's a two-person job. It's so demanding, especially for the women, you know, whenever they're breastfeeding and, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. So for us, it was just fine, you know, working it out. Yeah. How good. Mm. And and I've got some uh, sort of technically questions, um, like how you assist with, with clients. Um, and our, our market is sort of young families who run small businesses and, and from a broking perspective, that can actually um, be pretty challenging at times, but uh, could you give some sort of key things you you run through with clients when they're looking for? I'll kind of give a couple of different examples. We'll start with when they're looking to buy their dream home. Uh, we'll, we'll cover when they're looking to buy an investment property, 
Yeah. And then a lot of what we've had recently is actually, and and actually not not just recently, but it's more common recently, is buying property through a self-managed super fund. So yeah, if, if we kind of run through those three, but we'll start with, yeah, what, what do you talk about or focus on or how do you structure stuff when, when it's your dream home? Yeah, I think it, it always comes back to a plan, right? So it's starting out and it's going through the numbers and you know, it's delving into what are they looking to achieve? When are they looking to achieve it? I mean, it's very goals orientated, but it works mm. because then we gain an understanding of, because dream home, I might be sitting there going, well, oh, you know, spending a million dollars or whatever it might be, but, you know, diving down into what areas are you looking into? What sort of property you're looking for? Is it a house? Is it a unit? You know, we like to help people in sort of every aspect of purchasing a property. So it's not sort of just like, okay, yeah, we'll get you the home loan and happy days. You know, we want to help them, you know, it's their particular properties that they're looking at. So we'll give them property reports on it. So it gives them information around what's happening in the market, what's happening in that area, what are properties selling for in that area. And really it comes, ultimately it comes down to the borrowing capacity side of things. Mm. You know, what can they lend based on their incomes? But what can what are the possibilities in terms of the equity they've got in their existing home? Mm. Can we get valuations ordered, which mind you doesn't come at a cost of the client? Can we get valuations ordered to see what the equity position is? Yep. What we're finding a lot more, especially in the market we're in at the moment, is mm. people have a lot more equity there than they actually think that they do. So there's you know, your dream home, while you might be thinking is two, three, four, five, maybe even longer term away is actually happening a lot sooner. And especially with where, you know, the borrowing capacities are at at the moment based on, won't probably get too boring about it, but based on the HEM, so the expenditure measure that um, the banks put in play, what are the interest rates that they're servicing someone's um, borrowing capacity on recent changes coming through that at the moment where they're moving the buffer from two and a half to 3%, which may affect investors. So it's those sort of things that we look at, but really it's just about structure of, you know, what what is the client looking to achieve? Mm. And really it's then about setting out a plan because that could be could be right away, could be six months, could be 12 months, but it's really about what are we got to do to get there. Mm, yeah, cool. And and you've mentioned um borrowing capacity as sort of maybe one hurdle and, and equity or cash as a as another. With self-employed, I often get the question, oh, I'll just pay myself a bigger salary. <laughs> I kind of have that giggle. The banks aren't that um, Well, yeah, anyway, we won't go too much into the policy stuff, but there's a few doing some pretty wacky and crazy things. So, Yeah, well, that, that's a that's generally a bit of a, not, not necessarily a naughty thing, but the bank sees what's going on and goes, well, you're just moving, shifting one thing from there to there. It's not, and- not increasing, but... No, and, and 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 funny thing there because sometimes it often is the thought of a, a client will have right is like oh, I'm only paying myself this, but I'll increase it. But often, as you'd know, we can look at, look at the net profit position of the businesses as well, mm. um, which can be factored into income. It doesn't necessarily have to be dispersed to you, and some lenders do that better than others, and that just go, that goes into the work that we do behind the scenes because you might be with. XYZ bank and they don't factor in that stuff. So you probably, and that comes back to dream home investment, Mm. you know, borrowing more money. Whereas Joe Bloggs bank down the road 
they might actually factor in all these things, which then obviously boosts your borrowing capacity. As you'd know, especially in the self-employed world, like there is some lenders that do it very well. And there's the, then there's some lenders out there that will strip everything back and make it near impossible for you to borrow anything. And, and so some of those great lenders, uh, I know we're getting policy-ish, but yeah. um, those, those better lenders, what sort of thing do they add back? Because uh, I've heard yeah. that add, adding back. What, what are some examples of things that come out of the business? Yeah. So, I mean, depreciation is the big one at the moment, right? Instant asset write-off. So yep. that's the most common thing we're seeing at the moment where some businesses will be like, well, no, or not businesses, but banks will be like, well, you know what, that's depreciation. And they will have that as an expense. Whereas there's some others that have a, I guess, a more real approach where they can understand that that's a paper loss to the business, right? It's not, it's not a real loss for them not to get too talking too much accounting, I'll leave that up to you. But you know, there's an ability to then utilize that as cash, as a part of that's money that could have been earned in the business. So depreciation, interest is a really common one. Whenever you're paying it as like a almost like a sole trader, the super can yep. also be added back in instances. Um, and interest is another one. Sometimes with that interest, actually more times than not with that interest, it's then the fact of having to add back in the liability that that might be attached to. But you know, if that liability or lease or shadow mortgage had finished in that previous tax year, well, then that can has the ability to then be added back because it's then a non-recurring expense. So, mm. and there's there's plenty of lenders out there that the, all that stuff we just talked about they won't necessarily factor that stuff in. Yeah. So. Yeah, which actually brings a bit more of a truer cash flow position if you do factor it in. So, absolutely. And what are what are the what are the better lenders doing about things like JobKeeper and cash flow boost from the last twelve months? Yeah, there's a very small circle, but some will accept it. Like, yeah, as income. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that the drive there is potentially around the fact that they understand that there was a change. To businesses and the economy within Australia due to COVID nineteen, so I think for them it's almost like, well, we understand that there was a little bit of a downturn due to this crazy pandemic, and this is money that the businesses could have earned during that time. So therefore, they're willing to factor this in as a part of your borrowing capacity. Which once again, when we're talking about JobKeeper and cash flow boost, we're not necessarily talking about small income here. No, for sure. It's so it can make a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. And and so that's the sort of dream home stuff. What is there anything else you would sort of add to the conversation if the focus was on buying an investment property? Yeah, yeah. So I think the important stuff is, which is why the relationship between businesses is so important and talking to an accountant is the fact that, you know, we can work together, especially from an investment point of view to make sure that it's going to work within your best interest. So, you know, and once again, it it probably comes back to that equity side of things. How do we best utilize that? Also comes, you know, what sort of property that you're buying, whether it's brand new or whether it's established, like all these things when talking to to your accountant form a very important part of what your next steps are. So, you know, and and it's finding out about what's the goals and probably a real common one, lots of investment properties at the moment, but a real common one is the upgrade yep. or even potentially 
looking to, you know, create the existing property as an investment. So, and that's factored around the discussions that we're having with our clients as well is, which is why it's more of a long-term conversation is, hey, is this property going to be forever? Is this going to be an owner-occupied long-term or is this something that's potentially going to be an investment later on? And then that leads into the discussion about offset, redraw, making sure that you've you know, got the right structure in place to make sure that it's going to benefit you long-term. And so, so yeah, from an investment point of view, the beauty is, is it's not necessarily just factored on what your income is now. It's also going to factor in what's going to be happening once you're receiving the rental income as well. So yeah, good. There you go. They take that income as well. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. And uh, and then just to add a level of complexity, we, we do a fair bit of SMSF or helping clients purchase um, property through their super. Um, yeah. From a lending perspective, could you walk us through, yeah, like again, like what, what are the things to consider? How do they sort of, how do banks look at servicing? Can you get loans in super? Like all, the, all those sort of questions. It, it's a funny one, hey, self-managed super fund because- you would think that it would be complex, but it actually has a very simple approach from the bank's point of view, the banks that do it now anyway. So what happened when you know, they had, there was a big Royal Commission and everything, you found that, especially from the self-managed super fund point of view, a lot of the lenders actually pulled back and said, we're not doing it anymore. What that left was, you know, there's only, and I would say there's only like a handful of lenders that are doing it, but what that left is the lenders that did it really well. So we were left with, I guess, the cream of the crop in a sense of like, okay, these lenders that we've got left understand it very well and it's a quite a simple process. So from a lender's point of view, really in basic terms, what they're looking at is contributions plus um, potential then rental income, depending on in what capacity you're buying the property and, and then outgo versus outgo and loan repayment. So it's quite a simple approach in what they're in how they're looking at it and it's providing that it's there's a surplus left at the end happy days do they look at let's say you had a million bucks in super and you're going to put half a mil across to the purchase the property i know we're talking big numbers i just picked them because they're round but um that other half mil still ticking away let's say it was in shares do they look at the dividend income for servicing or or do they not usually um that's a good question I, i think that they would consider it like ultimately, it's probably going to be dependent on what the returns look like. But yeah, I, I think that they would take that approach to it. We would really probably just have to look at what's then been affected by the cash that's been utilized as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if that was just sitting in cash, and obviously that's not going to be too much of a drama, but that's probably going to come down to lender preference more than yeah. anything. Okay, no, fair enough. So servicing, we look mainly look at contributions and the rental income. Um, now, deposit-wise, so let's say we wanted to buy a half a million dollar property, we're looking at a metro area, nothing, nothing too rural. Yeah. This side of Boona. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the and like a run-of-the-mill commercial property, sort of five k's from a city. Yep. What sort of deposit are we looking at if we want to buy half a million bucks worth of building? Yeah, ballpark. So uh, the cr- the crazy thing is, that self managed super funds is people think that okay, I need this massive deposit. Mm. You know, I'm going to need to put up 50, 60 percent, or forty percent 
cash in order to get it done. But nowadays, like I said, the lenders that are left are doing it very well. So you're probably only really looking at a 20% deposit plus costs. Yeah, good. So if you're looking to buy something in the 500 range, you're going to need 100 cash for the deposit and then maybe around 20 grand for your extras. So I'd say about $120,000. Wow. If you've got, you know, spouses that have worked for sort of 10 years, they've probably got maybe 60K each in the in Yeah, that's, yeah, that's absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. It's surprising. And, and what there's less of now is that liquidity test at the end as well, which is, I mean, there's still one or two that do do it, but nowadays it's sort of like, have you got enough funds to complete the purchase and maybe a little bit left over at the end for some rent or, you know, some outgoing stuff, but really it's pretty much um, how much do you need to fund it? And, and as long as you've got that in there, it's, you've got the ability to do that. Yeah. Awesome. There you go. That's um, and, and I get blown away with how simple it is. I because I um, just a, a quick side note. I did do broking for a bit, and one of the things I did a, a handful of was the self-managed super fund lending. And the forms are like like a tenth of the size of, of getting a home loan. It's incredible. Yeah, <laughs> like the complexity of the actual transaction from a like a a trust and accounting and a legal perspective is is like hugely more complex. So yeah. I'm blown away by that, but um, yeah, it's just just so blown away by how simple um, the the process of going through it is. I guess um, we've we've probably got the the fortune maybe as mortgage brokers that everyone else probably is doing the heavy lifting from the <laughs> self managed super fund point of view. So yeah, make sure you talk to a uh, a good accountant to set one of those up for you as well. So. <laughs> we can help if that's what you're ending at. Yeah, you can. You can. I know you can. Uh, yeah, <laughs> awesome and. We're going to sort of round out here. Like, I think you know. Thank, thanks for sharing through the um, those questions. And is there any any sort of closing thing you'd keep in mind with? I guess the market that's moving pretty quick now. It's hard to get a hard to get an accepted offer on a property. Any sort of last comments you'd give to people looking to buy a property? Yeah, yeah. Look, it's it's a pretty crazy market as we know at the moment. So for me, it's about being prepared which is sitting down and and having a game plan. So especially at the moment, because the property market's hot, you're finding that it's it might be the conditions mm-hmm. is the thing that is actually winning, you know, the ability to buy something. So whenever we talk about conditions, we're talking about finance, we're talking about building and pest, um, we're talking about settlement. Mm-hmm. So having those things in line and making sure that they're as strong as they can be could be the difference between you buying a property or not. And I know we've had tons of clients that have won properties just based solely on having stronger conditions than somebody else. And the big one at the moment, which you'd see is more prevalent in the market is auction Yeah, okay. and, and, and buying at auction. So for anyone out there listening, auction probably is, it's, it's becoming more and more common. And, and what auction conditions is, is you're buying the property unconditionally. Oof. So there's no finance terms, there's no building and pest. You're buying the property with the note that you, you're going to have to settle on it and close on it in anywhere between 30, 45, 60 days in Queensland, yep. um, which this is probably more of a Queensland talk because that's a lot of how it's, it's operated down in New South Wales, Victoria, and in other parts of Australia. You're signing a contract and you're unconditional on it at that point in time anyway. So um, so what I say to people is, and, and not all mortgage brokers are like this, but I guess for me, I have a very, I'd like to think that I have a very good understanding of where the market is right now, that your conditions need to be good in order for your offer to be taken seriously. 
So being prepared and having a good understanding of what would be the plan B if things don't quite work out. Yeah. Um, and and, and, and <laughs> that a, that's a nervous laugh. Oh, I'm only laughing because of the the um, the the purchase that uh, our family made recently. The conditions almost turned the lawyer's face white. <laughs> but you know we, that's and that's what we knew the we knew the plan A, plan B, plan C of that, didn't we? Really. So it's um and it's about being prepared. And for me, and it's funny. I was talking to a buyer's agent. Sorry to dribble on here, but I was talking to a buyer's agent the other day. And, um, you know, the Gold Coast market, as a lot of people might know, is just one of the hottest markets um, that's ever been right now. It's ridiculous. And, um, and he was saying to me, he said, Cole, I've got clients that I'm looking after. They're working with a mortgage broker. But he's saying to me, yeah, we're going to need 21 days finance, 21 to 28 days finance. And we both looked at each other and had a bit of a giggle because... Mm-hmm. It, it, and he said to me, he goes, look, I'm just, I'm likely not going to be able to find a property for these clients in this market with those terms. Yep. And I said, look, send it my way. Be more than happy to, uh, more than happy to help them out because, you know, conditions are, are king right now. I know it's usually cash is king, but conditions are king right now in this market. So, so it's about working with a mortgage broker, making sure your conditions are good. And if you're going to auction, just knowing what the plan B and C is. Because really, the only thing outstanding is if you do all the legwork for an auction condition is the valuation. Yeah, okay. And once again, that comes back to the property reports and the research that you're doing on the property before you purchase it. But what we're finding at the moment, something's being bought at auction. That's really a true indication of probably where the market is on the property anyway, whenever you've got multiple buyers bidding on a property. So. Hard for a value. I know they're special people, but it's hard for a value to, uh, to um, say it's not value when it was at market. So. Funny that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, that's it. That's the advice I have to people right now is, um, and obviously more than happy to help. Awesome. Yep. And, and actually speaking of that, how do we find you? Find us. Net? Yeah. We're, we're prevalent on, uh, on social media. So it's at Arch Brokerage. Um, you can find Arch Brokerage on Facebook as well or visit www.archbrokerage.com.au and or feel free to give me a call 0499-303-472. So <laughs> awesome. All right. And we'll have those links in the um in the old show notes. So um feel free. We will might not put your mobile in there because of the uh you know those LH for all websites for phone numbers, but anyway. <laughs> Get plenty of those calls, don't worry about that. So that's it. Well, uh, really good talking with you, Colin. Um, thanks for sharing your knowledge. And yeah, I hope that our listeners have, have loved hearing both, uh, I guess, your own journey in, in business and having a young family, but also the, um, the the topic that you can speak on as an expert. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Cheers, man. Bye. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with today's guests, you can find their contact information in the show notes in the podcast section of our website at inspire.business. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the Young Family Small Business Podcast, be sure to subscribe, leave a rating and a review. Also, do join our Facebook community. You can find that by going to youngfamilysmallbusiness.com. And if you're interested in speaking with an Inspire accountant, head to inspire.business forward slash chat, where you can book a free 20-minute strategy call. And lastly, to catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on my Instagram, uh, which is the at symbol Ben Walker CA, or one word, or at Inspire underscore accountant. Thanks again, and see you next time.